The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Hey, happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Welcome to the Hoop Ball Celtics podcast. This is a Hoop Ball presentation. I am your host, Celtics enthusiast Patrick Lounsbury. You can also find me on Twitter for anything Celtics at Ball and Opinions. That's B A L L I N O P I N I O N S. Also, follow the show on Twitter for episode updates and anything else that we, we do as this platform begins to grow at Hoop Ball Celtics. And here we are. You know, the Boston Celtics take on the Cavs in a very disappointing two-game losing streak now as they travel on a back-to-back night, helping the Cavs snap a four-game losing streak. Uh, Cavs did hold off a second-half push from Boston. Both teams were coming off a back-to-back. Celtics traveled to Cleveland uh, overnight. We'll be going over this game in some segments as we talk about some of the good things that we saw, some of the bad things we saw, which was a lot. And I have some final thoughts, uh, including a little insight on some takes on Jalen Brown. All right. Jumping into some of the things that I liked tonight. Um, off the bat, I thought Tatum did a good job in his first few possessions trying to get into the paint by posting up smaller defenders and initiating his will to, to get to the rim. He did a good job, I thought, Tacking a smaller guy in the post and not just selling for a post fadeaway jumper but trying to actually get in on the post and getting an easy bucket within like a few feet of the of the rim thought he did a good job of, of that early on he did end up going away from it which we'll talk about a little bit more in the in the bad section but the good thing was he did the attack at times uh in the post early on two minute mark of the of the first quarter rob displayed some good defense and pins a sexton layup on the glass i thought he did a, a good job being in good position now rob williams has really developed into something special he is learning the game at a better pace he's understanding everything slowing down for him he's not as jumpy he doesn't jump on everything anymore he does jump a lot still but he's He's been really good at keeping himself in the right positions, really good on help defense, has been really solid uh, on one-to-one defense in the post-up as well. I thought he did a a very good job at coming over for some help and and really making the layup harder for the guards from Cleveland as Cleveland has some really nice guards and and Garland and Sexton. And Sexton went in after blowing by his defender, going up for what looked like a pretty easy layup, and Robert Williams just rotates perfectly and and pins his shot right off the glass. Thought he did a great job there. Time Lord also had some good defensive pressure in the last two minutes of that first quarter, just displaying what Celtics fans love so much about him. I understand that they're always like, oh, Time Lord needs more minutes and more minutes. He actually played a season high in minutes tonight. And Robert Williams was actually asked about that after the game, and he had this to say about it was he, he, he acknowledged that it was his season high and he appreciates it, but at the same time, he's more concerned about the Celtics getting back and focused on winning. He wants to win basketball games, and that's just a great response from a guy who who could easily say it was like just been like, yeah, I'm really noticed that my minutes have been going up and I'm excited to see what I can do with them. He could have just ended it there and it would have been a good answer. But I think it showed some leadership and 
and just how team oriented he is as an individual and his character about how much he really wants the Celtics to win and how much he cares about winning. So I think that's really good because it's going to show how much engagement he's going to have. I also thought um, Boston at about 10:59 mark in the second quarter, uh, Teague was in the game and he had a really good recovery block on Sexton on a pick and roll. I, I've just highlighted two blocks on Sexton, so I'm sorry for the Sexton slander, slander. But I actually like Colin Sexton. I think Colin Sexton is a good player in this league. But in in this possession, I thought Teague was fighting around the screen, went over the top, and was coming from behind Sexton. Sexton drove to about the free throw line elbow area had really a good look at uh, open jumper and Teague just comes from behind and just gets all ball and swats it away from uh Colin Sexton thought it was a good recovery by Jeff Teague who at times can be very frustrating to watch uh, I know a lot of Celtics fans don't really appreciate Teague at all and think he should get less and less minutes. I am one of those people who I believe Teague should get less and less minutes. But I just thought he, he had a really good sequence there and wanted to point that one out. Uh, third quarter, strong push on both sides of the third, bringing the game back within reach as Boston was really struggling in that first half to get the bucket to go in. I thought Boston did a lot of good things in transition they also cleaned up their turnovers they had zero turnovers in the third quarter that was a huge reason for them to cut back into that deficit and really get the game close again they did a a good job rallying at halftime whatever brad said to him halftime i think they just started sharpening up a lot more they were running their sets better thought they were getting in better positions and also when you don't turn over the ball it makes it easier to play defense because you're not in transition as much I thought they were getting killed in transition in the first half. And that third quarter, they were able to limit those opportunities from the Cavs. And I thought they did a good job at at taking care of the basketball in that third quarter. Brown did a great job of driving in the third and attacking the paint as well. Uh, Thought he he really was aggressive. And the Celtics as a whole did a, a very good job on attacking on misses. And they were pushing the tempo a lot more. It felt like they were controlling the pace in the third. That third quarter was... A big point for them and I thought Jalen Brown was the main catalyst of that he did a great job of of really attacking he got a lot of easy looks at the rim and also forcing there to be calls at the rim as well um, I think they actually outscored the Cavs yeah by nine points in that third quarter so they they outscored them 36 to 27 in the third so that was really well did a really good job of of really limiting uh, their chances in the fast break by taking care of the basketball. And sometimes that's all you got to do is is not kill yourself. Stop shooting yourself in the foot. The Celtics tend to get into this um, zone sometimes where they end up turning the ball over a lot and they just can never gain rhythm of any sort. So it was just good to see that they clean that stuff up after, after halftime. Uh, Rob Williams beats the time at the end of the third. I just wanted to note that in because his nickname is Time Lord, and he beat the time clock. He shot clock by maybe point-tenths of a second before the buzzer went off as he tips in a, a basket. Just wanted to highlight that. So if you wanted to go see Time Lord do some something really cool, go go watch the buzzer beater at the end of that third quarter. Really enjoyed that. Good, uh, good take there. And... Um, uh, just down the stretch in the fourth quarter, I thought Boston did did really well at, at keeping themselves in the game. 
but ultimately the deficit that they put themselves in in that first half really took a lot out of them. They took a gut punch, and then the all the energy that they exerted in the second half wasn't enough to overcome some of the mistakes they made early on that they needed to clean up. Um, going into some of the mistakes as well, I thought part of that first quarter that was really bad, Boston came out settling for perimeter shots. And I think that was a a note of them almost playing down to their competition. Now, I'm not saying that the Cavs aren't a good team, but at the same time, Boston should be better than them. And I feel like sometimes they go into these games where the opponent is not as considered good at their level, and they almost play down to that level. And it really gets them in these weird pickles, and they don't play with the right tempo. They make a lot more mistakes. They had a lot of turnovers. They were fouling too much, and they were settling for jumpers. I I think that they definitely need to assert their will early on. I thought they should have just kept doing kind of what Tatum did in the beginning was getting into the paint. Uh, they did a really good job of that last game, um, last night against the Utah Jazz, but they really started to settle for a lot of jump shots, and I feel like when those jump shots aren't falling, you're, you're watching that score, and then the other team's getting into transition offense, and your defense is not able to get back and set. So Boston really was paying the price on those. Couldn't couldn't really hit any jumpers in that first quarter. Struggled, only had 18 points in the in the first compared to the Cavs' 26. That's an eight-point difference just to start off the game, put them in a, a deficit. Tatum and Brown were really struggling in that first half. I uh, thought Tatum was... After those first couple possessions in the paint, he settled for a lot of jumpers. Like, and they weren't just open jumpers; they were try to dribble, sidestep three pointers. Sometimes in the face of somebody, try to pull up three pointer. I want to see Tatum take that next next step. You know, I want to see him get to that elite level. And I think elite players in the league, uh, the Kawhi's, you know, the Lebrons, and etc. Kevin Durant's. If Kevin Durant is not hitting his jump shot he does other things well and some of the things that he does well is he penetrates the defense and either gets a good look at the rim and gets himself going or he ends up getting other people going because he still draws a lot of attention and now with Tatum is is sometimes he gets into this mindset he wants to shoot himself out of the slump the problem is is when he's shooting himself out of this slump he really is causing the other team to go on a run and he's almost contra you know he's he's hurting himself he's shooting himself in the foot and i hope that tatum can get back to to that was something he really struggled in his second year a lot was he settled for jumpers too much i'm hoping that he just gets more aggressive and i would like to see him get going it, it it'd be different if like he took five you know eight shots in the paint and then tried to stretch out and was missing his shots cool at least you're you're mixing it up and you're trying to get aggressive but it, it really was like two two shots in the paint and then eight on on the perimeter like we definitely need a more variety uh, i thought he did a good job in utah when he was picking his spots and really being aggressive and, and getting to hot zones that he enjoys to to be at just kind of getting himself in a rhythm and boston really struggled to get in a rhythm in this game the turnovers also don't help when it's when it comes to getting in the rhythm you turn over the ball and you're just 
you're constantly in transition. You're wasting your energy that way, but trying to get hustle back on defense. You're running a, a set play for 15 seconds, and then you you throw it away, or you the opposing defense takes it away from you, and it's just like, how do you get in an offensive rhythm? All right, we got a bucket. Then we turned it over. Then we turn it over again. Now we we cause an offensive foul, and there's no rhythm. There's no consistency. They need to to build a little bit more consistency on the offensive side of the ball. And I think once they are able to do that, they definitely can do improve their defense because they'll be able to get back and get set a lot more often. Um, there was a sequence where Grant got blocked and thought it was a goaltending. Uh, it follows up with a flagrant foul on Allen in the opposite side of the court in transition at about the 221 mark of that second quarter. And, man, your your team's already in a bad situation on the scoreboard. You haven't been playing well up to that point. Grant's got to learn to ball up those emotions and and go into next play mode. The next play mode is very important. You... You understand it. All right, cool. We didn't get the call, but you got to hustle back on defense and don't cost your team a flagrant foul. The flagrant foul was was a terrible timing for him. I thought they, that he needs to do a better job of just controlling his emotions and really getting back on defense. Just focus worry about getting back on defense. You made a mistake or you get blocked, whatever. Get back on defense. You yelling at the referee, you're, you're Grant Williams. You're not a superstar, for one. And I don't even like it when Tatum or Brown does it. Like, you just have to just get back on defense. Hustle back on defense. Try to make a play. Don't You don't have to grab a guy by his shoulders and get a flagrant call out of frustration. I don't like that play. I, I really was happy that Jared Allen was able to keep his feet planted uh, after – Grant pulled him down and was able to to not get injured on the play because he was going up. He was going up off both feet when Grant went and grabbed him by both his shoulders. And it's a very dangerous play, and I don't like dangerous non-basketball plays. I think that was a situation where Grant should have just let Grant or, or just let uh, Jared Allen have have the lane. He was there. He was he was probably going to dunk the ball, but you're late. You don't pull it back on somebody's shoulders when they're going up for a dunk. It's just not a good basketball play. It's it's kind of dirty, and I'm I wasn't a fan of it. Um, going into halftime, Boston was was really only had 38 points, and and really dug himself in a hole. They did a they had a really hard time. They had a really, really difficult time, as I'm trying to gather how I want to say it, is that Colin Sexton and Garland pretty much did whatever they want. And I thought that with Marcus Smart starting because it's a back-to-back and Kemba wasn't playing, and Jalen Brown at the two, and Tatum at the three, Semi at the four, and Tice at the five, there would be... A little bit more difficulty for those guards on the offensive end to really get going because I think that Smart and Brown's defensive potential on the perimeter is so strong. However, the the first half, they just torched him. Like Garland was 7 of 11 from the field. He was 2 of 4 from 3, and he only played 17 minutes. So you got to learn to bottle them up like that. It's, it was just a bad, bad bad uh way of just letting these two guys run run the run the game they literally were able to control the tempo and and push 
every time that there was a steal or a miss, they were pushing and they were getting good looks. Boston's defense was very lackluster on the perimeter at times. And next thing you know, you got Garland open for a three and he's knocking it down. So mm-hmm. just just need to be better at that. Also here um, at the 9.52 mark of the third, there was a sequence. Semi Ojale was playing some really good defense on Garland. There's five seconds left on the shot clock. He had he was in, stayed in front of him. You know, Garland was trying to shake him, dribbled all the way to the free throw line area. Shot clock, you know, is winding down. And Brown, for some reason, from the opposite elbow, wing corner, well, wing, sorry, uh, was guarding Nance. And for some reason, Brown sags way off of Nance for whatever reason he thinks was a good reason. And Semi was still in front of Sexton, or Garland, sorry, at the free throw line, squared up with him with two seconds left on the shot clock. And Nance ends up getting wide a wide-open look on shot clock with two seconds left and knocking down a three-pointer because Brown, for some reason, com- fully committed on a help that wasn't necessary. And it was just a very frustrating play to look at because it was an overcommitment for an unnecessary reason and i just i was i was baffled at at it was like why was jalen brown so hard hedged over i didn't and normally jalen brown has been a very good defender on on defensive side and even like on help defense he's normally really good but that was just a bad read by jalen brown and he he did that a few times and lost nance every time and nance made him pay three times for it so just just wasn't a, a big fan of that final three minutes though boston was was just they struggled they they ended up settling again for too many jumpers and those missed they were they were down like five points with like three minutes left and next thing you know they just they go they had like two or three possessions in a row where they just settled for jump shots instead of attacking the basket i mean you're under three minutes and you're down go and get yourself the easy baskets go go to the line slow the game down more really get get going at the paint take it to jared allen force them force the players to make good defensive stops don't settle don't make the defense easier especially at the end of a fourth quarter where it's a back-to-back for both teams they're tired I understand that the Celtics are tired, but they're tired too. So on the offensive side, take advantage of that. Don't settle for the jump shot. I thought they they should have definitely been more aggressive and and definitely um, pushed pushed more for looks at the paint in the paint. And a lot of those shots didn't drop for them. They ended up turning into transition offense for the Cavs, and the Cavs made them pay and end up building enough cushion. To the end, where I mean, the Cavs had it had a pretty easy um, send off for for their win, snapping their streak of four game loss. So, um, just just some frustrating plays and and settling sometimes from Boston. Uh, Tatum and, and Jalen Brown Brown should have went back to how he was in that third quarter. I thought in those final three minutes and just drive, drive, drive. Tatum, I wanted to see drive more. He, he was settling for the jumpers as well, and then Marcus Smart. I think almost all of his shots were threes. Let me let me do a double check on that here. Uh, four of nine from three. He took two shots that weren't three pointers. So 
Yeah. The, the, attack the paint. Attack the paint. They Celtics shot 26% from three. 10 of 38. That's atrocious. Uh, just unacceptable. I, I thought they, they definitely settled way too much. They shot, let's see, 15 more three-pointers than the Cavs. And made the same amount. 15 more. That's, I mean, that's the difference maker right there. And that's what leads to transition. And that's why the Cavs ended up shooting 54% from the field. And went 40 of 74. And Boston went 40 of 88. So Boston shot, you know, 88 field goals to Cavs 74. They both hit the same amount of of three-pointers, same amount of field goals, but the difference maker was that the Cavs ended up getting to the free-throw line and hitting 27 free-throws to uh, Boston's 20, and and ultimately won. They won because of the free-throw line. They literally had seven more points from the line than the Celtics, and and the Celtics lose by seven. So uh, a note there is you are aggressive and attack the paint, you get more fouls. You get more fouls while attacking the paint. You get more free throws. You get more free throws. Maybe this game is a, a win instead of a loss. So, and and when you also get those fouls, you you slow the tempo and you take the other team out of the rhythm and you you gain frustration. So, just just a note there. Um, going into some of these final thoughts here. Um, Robert Williams had a interesting fall in his leg to say the least. At the 11:29 mark of the fourth quarter, Nance undercut him a little bit and Williams on an alley-oop and he caused Rob to land kind of awkwardly on his leg, leading to a eventual exit, but he did return and was was able to finish out the game. Uh, but just a, a note to look to Friday's game uh, against the Kings. You got to make sure we, we keep an eye out on Rob Williams, especially after playing a game with his season high in minutes. He actually out Minutes, uh, Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice had 26, and Robert Williams had 27. So Robert Williams, most center minutes on the team tonight. I know Tristan Thompson's still out because of the safety protocols, um, but that's a great sign as far as Celtics fans want to hear is Robert Williams is getting the majority of the run. Um, another thing I, I wanted to know is Jalen Brown. So Jalen Brown... Uh, recently, you know, he had his knee issue earlier in the year where he says, I haven't been 100%, and that's why he didn't participate in the dunk contest in the All-Star game, and he's missed some games with that knee. Uh, some of the things I'm wondering is how healthy is Jalen Brown right now? How healthy is his knee? Uh, and the reason I bring this up is because his defense lately has been below average. He has not been playing good defense. He hasn't been able to stick with guys. He loses the vendors lose him. Or offensive players literally lose him pretty easily. He his steps seem slower. He looks good sometimes on the offensive side, but even then, like he he's aggressive one minute and then really like looks like he he starts settling because he just doesn't want to like put any more pressure on it or something. Uh, so just a something I'm very curious on, and I think it's important for the Celtics moving forward is is really understanding how healthy is Jalen Brown, making sure that, that his knee is is good and he ends up getting to a full recovery, especially getting into later parts of the season. So I'm hoping that maybe they can 
and this goes into the next thing I want to talk about too, uh, go into inquiring somebody, maybe to give the wings a little bit more a rest. You know, they need, need a little bit more depth there. So going into trade rumors here, since we are about a week away from the deadline, I wanted to talk about some of the names that are floating around. Uh, and these could be from an, a reliable source or not a reliable source. But I'm just going to give my opinions on some of the some of the guys. So we got John Collins, and as the first one on the on the board, and I just don't know if Atlanta's ready to move on from him. I it all depends is is are they going to give him that extension after this year? Uh, are Boston Boston's not going to be able to pay them that extension? So um, are they going to want to pay him max money? Like w- what is the plan for him? And if we get John Collins and we don't sign him next year. Does he make us title contenders this year? Does does is he the one that pushes the Celtics to contending with the Nets in the East and the Bucks and the Sixers and the Miami Heat who have been playing really well lately? Um, I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Uh, I would I would like to see what the plan would be long term with John Collins with the Celtics if they were to acquire him. That would be more my concern. Uh, another guy that um, I'm really high on is Harrison Barnes. Has been talked about a lot lately. I think Barnes would be a great fit for what the Celtics need right now. They need that somebody. They need that guy on the offensive side to to give them some offensive relief help, really help the Jays out. I think he has good potential uh, to really be a third to fourth scorer on our offense. He he also is a above average defender. I think putting him next to a Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and Jalen Brown and Tatum would be a great, you know, defensive fit. It would also be able to hide Kemba Walker's defensive liabilities at times. So I, I like Harrison Barnes as, as probably like my number one fit. Um, that is, um, if for some reason Jeremy Grant becomes available, then then that's somebody who might really just be the ultimate guy for our our spot. But however, is I just don't see Detroit getting that good deal on Jeremy Grant and and how young he is and and have him on that amazing contract and him being like, yeah, we're, we're we're trading him. So I don't think Boston ends up in the market for Jeremy Grant. I know they'll probably throw whatever picks you know Detroit wants right now for him. But at the same time, I don't think Detroit moves on from him. I just don't think it's realistic. But if the Celtics were to acquire Jeremy Grant, he fills uh, that power forward hole that is so bad. And even if you wanted to put Tatum at the power forward and Jeremy Grant at the three, you can do that. My thing is, too, is Jeremy Grant went to Detroit and didn't return to Denver simply for a bigger role. How big would his role be in Boston? I, I think... He could still get like 15 shots a game. However, he's not going to get the 20, 27 shots he's getting in Detroit. So, uh, hopefully, if they do, would acquire, if they somehow get get him, that he is okay with taking a a lesser role. It's not a substantial lesser role, but a role where he understands that hey, I'm here to do 15, 17 shots a game, maybe get about 18 points, 20 points, and play really good defense. I also think he would be a good player to run with a, the second unit. Maybe him and Jalen Brown can uh, do some damage while you know Tatum and and Kemba Walker are able to sit and and rest. 
And then maybe, you know, when those two sit down and you bring back in Tatum and Walker and they run with the other units and just just a lot of mixed matching. I think they need that fourth guy, though, to, to really um, stagger their two people and two people because at times it seems you you got one star on the floor with the bench unit and it's it's like, all right, <laughs> there's the one guy, go get your shots and, and carry the offensive load. And that's a lot to ask out of one guy. He needs to be able to rely on on some consistent bench help around him um, to really, uh, you know, keep the Celtics from falling apart at times. Then you got LaMarcus Aldridge, who has been pretty uh, pretty talked about lately in the league, and he, he has had some connections to Boston as far as potential destinations. I will say this about LaMarcus Aldridge. He's such a Brad guy. And when I say he's such a Brad guy, it's – a spacing big who hits jumpers and has a a good knack for passing the ball. However, defensively, I don't see what he brings. And that for me is a more of a scare than what he brings on the offensive side. So I'm I'm not as high as acquiring LaMarcus Aldridge, but I do see some of the benefits that he could have. I think he helps the offense and hurts the defense. Then there is Aaron Gordon. I think Aaron Gordon is my second favorite on the list. I think Aaron Gordon, he's not happy in Orlando right now. He asked for being out. He is a very good young wing player. He's athletic, good in transition. Uh, he's an above average passer, so he's able to play make and like I stated, Brad Stevens is really good at utilizing a a big like a power forward slash small forward and getting the passing potential out of him. I like his playmaking ability. He's shown at times to be able to knock down open jumpers and I think he might be a pretty good fit in in Boston and I wouldn't mind having him. So well, with that being said, that, that kind of does it for the trade rumors, and that wraps things up for us today on this podcast. So please go and give us a follow on Twitter at HoopBallCeltics, and you can also follow myself. It's at BallinOpinions. That's B-A-L-L-I-N-O-P-I-N-I-O-N-S. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Music. Give us a five-star review and rate. It would be much appreciated as we are just getting this this platform going where we're just trying to grow and expand and i i look forward to seeing everybody after friday's game at the garden as they welcome the kings all right guys so i appreciate you guys for stopping by thank you all right bye